Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Thanks for joining us. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're here with you for the next three hours, and you can text us via the Garage Door Guru text line at 704-570-9610. We have a couple of guests we're going to get to today at 1 o'clock. We welcome Gary Parrish of CBS Sports and the Ion College Basketball Podcast. He hosts that alongside Matt Norlander. So at 1 o'clock, we'll get all of the ACC conversation in there, talking about Duke's loss to Miami last night just getting trounced just two days after their win against North Carolina. And at 2 o'clock, we'll discuss Ejero Avero, the new defensive coordinator here in Carolina with Nick Kosmider of The Athletic, the Denver Broncos beat writer. We're going to discuss what Ajero's philosophy is defensively, how he can get the most out of some of these players, some of the stars here in Carolina. So we'll get to all of that today on Wesson Walker. But I want to talk mock drafts. We're here now. I think a lot of people wanted to hear about NFL mock drafts even at the end of the regular season because it was going so poorly. And right after they lost to Tampa Bay and Carolina was not going to be playing any postseason football, I think it was time we move on to the NFL draft. And it is a huge one for the Carolina Panthers. Should they move up? Should they stick right there at number nine? Let's get off of the bus and discuss it right now here on Wesson Walker. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. I want to talk about this number nine overall selection here, Wes, because here we are talking about the possibility, the probability of Carolina moving up to go get their quarterback, to go get their guy, whether it be Bryce Young, who most people think is going to be gone. Number one overall pick, number two, not falling all that far back. Matt Miller of ESPN in his latest mock draft has C.J. Stroud falling to number nine. So Carolina would get their quarterback. They wouldn't have to trade any assets to move up and go get their guy. So my question to you is, how realistic is this? According to Matt Miller, having C.J. Stroud go all the way to number nine and Carolina just select him. And would this be the dream scenario if this was the option at hand? It would be a dream scenario, but I say that because I do not think it will happen. I think that we know how this draft process works. Yeah, I think (laughs) we know how this process works as far as quarterbacks go. He already started his buzz tremendously with the performance that he had against Georgia. Then once he gets into the pre-draft workouts and interviews, we know that he's going to be very smart on the board, so then that will add to the buzz. Then he will do his personal workout in the shorts and the t-shirt. He will wow scouts with his arm and his accuracy and all those things, and that will send his stock skyrocketing. It always goes like this every single year. So let's not act like this is a new process. Uh, So then I think from there, there will be some teams that want to go up and get him. And so that's why I think the Panthers will more than likely, I'm not saying it's a 100% chance, but they will more than likely have to go up to get 
CJ Stroud. Yeah, I would agree that more than likely they will have to do that. TFB said they should move up for CJ Stroud. And then Fluke Juki wrote in, uh, if Stroud isn't there, maybe you could draft the tight end in the first round. Don't trade it. Just select it right there at number nine. And then the second round pick, you could go in and take Hendon Hooker. How would you like that uh, philosophy if it plays out? Tight end first round, maybe at number nine, and then going after Hendon Hooker in the second, assuming he's still there. Oh, are you talking about the tight end from Notre Dame or something? Yeah. Uh, Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer, yeah. Um, almost Michael Meyer. Almost, and that would be your guy. Yeah, for then sure. Then you would have to, you would trade up to number one overall to go get your guy, Michael Myers. And With honestly, his abilities? Well, he does have a killer instinct. 100%. Yeah. And and look, man, as, as far as the disguise goes, I, I think Michael Myers could be excellent. And plus, everybody would be scared to tackle him. He's got size, strength. Okay, he's Looks got... good wearing a mask. He, yeah. can, he can sling it, too. Otherworldly speed, to whereas the defender, the, the player, I don't even know, you, we could play him on both sides, okay? Uh, because at one moment, you look at him and he's here, and then by the time you start <laughs> to try to turn the corner, he's there. 100%. And he will start the play standing there looking at you, not moving at all. And by the time you get ready to turn the corner, there he is, you run right into him. All right, people write in. Tell us what you would feel uh, <laughs> if they traded up for Michael Myers, number one overall selection. <laughs> so if it's not Michael Myers and it was indeed Michael Mayer, yeah. how would you feel about um, that selection? I, I'm not thrilled with that plan. I do think Michael Mayer will be a, a good tight end, but I think that with the quality of quarterbacks at the top, I think you need to try to go up and get um, one of them. Um, Hendon Hooker. Now, again, I'm a guy that I don't think he's going to last to the second round because you see his buzz starting to churn. They're talking about how he could be ready for this and could be ready for that, and he's already wowing scouts in interviews at the Senior Bowl. So you see all this starting to happen, and then I think he'll be able to work out just enough to give scouts what they want to see, and there are going to be some teams that are going to be salivating over him and we'll move up to get him as well. So, But if that scenario played out to what you're saying, I don't think it's a, a terrible plan if you don't no. get the guy that you want. Uh, Smitty from the city wrote in, Michael Myers is straight fire. Scott, the XFL and AFL honk. He said no, no Hendon Hooker, especially in the second. And then the bagel guy wrote in, why would you take a tight end off the board? Because a wide receiver like Quentin Johnson, Smith, or even an Addison would still be there. And I would be just fine drafting a wide receiver early, whether it's the first round or the second round. I would be just fine taking another playmaker to put opposite of DJ Moore. More. Going deeper into to C.J. Stroud's evaluation, I wonder about the 40 time with him as it pertains to all the other quarterbacks, just because we know that he hasn't used his legs a lot uh-huh. and that he is primarily a pocket passer where everybody else has some of that mobility. Will Levis, uh, Anthony Richardson for sure, and then Bryce Young being as short as he is. We know about his mobility probably being the number one overall selection or at least number two, just the first QB. But with C.J. Stroud, he's such a pocket passer. The thing is, that Georgia tape is so good. That's the thing about CJ. It's the fact that he played his best game. He put out the best film of any other college quarterback in that game against Georgia. But we have the two games against Michigan. We have the game against Rutgers. We look at CJ, and if you have a clean pocket every other game except for Georgia, 
then he's masterful. You can't beat that guy. He will destroy you. But we know that the NFL, all of its operations undergo imperfect situations. So if the clean pocket is not there, which primarily it's not in the NFL, then do you trust C.J. Stroud to consistently put together a good performance? And his numbers in a messy pocket, they're not good. But clean pocket because he played with an excellent offensive line. He played with excellent receivers. Hello, Marvin Harrison Jr. That's the kind of worry. So we're just putting so much weight onto this game against Georgia. I would still be just fine. Especially even if you trade up to like number five has been my benchmark. I'd be cool going after Stroud. But Wes, I, I do worry about the messy pocket numbers for him everywhere except against the Georgia Bulldogs where he did play well with all that defensive NFL talent. Yeah, I mean, I've watched C.J. Stroud play a good bit, and I felt like he improved a ton from his first game to his last. I'm not putting all my weight into the Georgia game. I felt that he should be around where they had him at the the entire season. Are, is he going to have some tough moments? Yeah. Is he going to have some bad games? Yeah. But I think that, you know, he's proven that he's first-round pedigree. I think he's proven that he's high first-round pedigree. When I looked up his uh, 40 time, it was about on par with what I thought. Um, I think he's going to be like a 4-7 guy, low 4-7. He may surprise and run a high 4-6. Um, if but that yeah. happens, I bet people will start to – I don't know, just the 40 time, the the agility. I wonder if, if he proves to be more mobile than he really showed this year in college, which I think he probably will because we have seen flashes of it. I think people will start to really well, like C.J. Yeah, and, and I mean, you can look at C.J. and just his pocket presence and stuff like that and tell that, that he's an athlete. I knew that just from looking at him. I knew there was something in there, but he just plays but he's pocket first. But, but right, he's more of a pocket passer yeah. than these other QBs are, yeah, for sure. he to play pocket first, which is what I would want um, first and foremost. I want a guy that's going to play from the pocket. So I don't think that, uh, like I said, I think he'll be – I don't want to use the often used cliche sneaky athletic, but I think oh, his no. numbers when he does his workouts, if he chooses to, he may not even choose to do any of it. If I right. was him, I would not. I mean, I know I'm pretty yeah. much a lock for the top 10. What do I need to run for? Like, you're not paying me to run. Mm-hmm. Like, you're paying me to avoid the rush and make throws down the field. Um, so if I'm him, I don't do any of that stuff. I'm just going to throw for you, and you look at the tape. Now, sticking with Matt Miller's analysis, not only did he have the Panthers taking C.J. Stroud at number nine, we can dive into this mock draft a little bit later on as well, but he did tweet out a couple of days ago when the Panthers hired a Giro Averro that the Panthers were his sleeper team coming into 2023. We did this last year, right? The Carolina Panthers, they had D.J. Moore. Of course, you had McCaffrey. People were excited about this squad defensively and then they got Baker Mayfield people were excited about Baker being the starting quarterback for this franchise there were a lot of pundits out there that said Carolina would be a surprise team and I think that's partly why Matt Rule was fired because the expectations did not match the output that took place within the first five games is it a mistake to do this again or do you feel good about this squad if they can figure out a quarterback because Matt Miller thinks Ajero Averro great coaching staff still some some foundational pieces here. If they figure out QB, he feels good about this squad, especially in the division. Are we not learning from our mistake coming into 2022? Um, and are we repeating that coming into 2023? Um, no, I, I just think that the Panthers, like any team, need to tweak their roster in a lot of places. But quarterback is the most important. And until you find that right guy, things are not going to fall as they should. Uh, and at this point, they don't have any quarterback with uh, significant game experience on the roster because Sam Darnold has not been re-signed. So 
they have to figure out their quarterback room pretty much in its totality, but it's going to start with who's going to be the guy. And I think in this draft, you have an opportunity to get the guy. I think you're putting together a good coaching staff. And then hopefully if you go out and get an offensive coordinator like we've talked about with Jim Bob Cooter, and uh, you just continue well, to... You, you can't put the... If you're going to say that... I was you about to call him JBC. You, you can't put the pause between Bob and Cooter. Like, you got to roll through. Yeah, because at some Bob point, Cooter. At some point, you're just saying Cooter. So you got to get straight to the Cooter. Yeah, you got to. 100%, Wes. That's the thing. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Wes is... <laughs> Yes, I think that's the plan for him, man. You got to go out and find a quarterback, and I think it will go downhill from there because I don't think this roster needs as much tweaking as a lot of other teams in the top ten of the draft. All right, because you mentioned that good coaching staff that is developing. Let's get to that in the next segment. I want people to text in and give their thoughts as well. Again, the number is 704-570-9610. How would you rank the best coaching decisions a part of Carolina staff so far this offseason? So Frank Reich is number one. Ajiro Avero is number one. What do you think is the best decision? And then going down all the way to number five, because we've seen five guys that have either been named or retained. Offensive line coach, Campin, Deuce Staley, running back, Chris Tabor retained to special teams. Tell us your thoughts again, 704-570-9610. We're coming back with more Panthers conversation. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We'll get to some more Carolina Panther conversation in just a moment. Did want to read some of these text messages, 704-570-9610. That's the number to the Garage Door Guru text line. Alex in Steel Creek said, I'm tuning tuning in via my earbuds, and I'm over here at work jamming. Coworkers probably thinking, why is this dude crip walking at his cube? Which is exactly what we want on Weston Walker with deep cover playing in the background. All day, man. That's the point. Uh, it is, absolutely. And then AJ wrote in. He said he read something that was supposedly from close sources to Ohio State, and they expect Stroud to shock in the 40 and be in the low 4-5 range. Apparently, he could I skew. Could that just hasn't had to show it. That's kind of my point. If he does that, and I know it's not like the film magically changes in a messy pocket, but... If it's a 4-5, it's going to make him all that much more attractive. I did want to ask this question, too. So we were talking about LeBron James before we started to hop on the mic and and do the show at 12. Mm -hmm. And LeBron James is 36 points away from breaking the all-time scoring record. You have the game tonight against OKC at 10 o'clock, and it's at home. 36 points away. The next game is on Thursday, February 9th against Milwaukee. Tip time, same thing, right there at 10 o'clock. 
with him being 36 points away against OKC, do you think he does it tonight? It's still pretty lofty, or do you think he actually gets the job done against Milwaukee? Yeah, I said I do think he does it tonight. I think the closer he gets to it, the more he's going to want it. Um, I think that the Thunder will come out and play them hard. Listen, we're not talking about a juggernaut Lakers team. They're going to need every point that he gives them. And I think if duty calls for it tonight, he may have to put in a, a, a big night of work. And so I don't think that he would be able to pass it up the closer he gets. So we did this against New York. I think the over-under was set at 27 and a half, and he barely got the over. It was 28, and that was with overtime. And so that scares me a little bit because I thought he was just going to go nuclear against the Knicks in Madison Square Garden because it's at the Mecca. So for me, I think because LeBron is calculated too. I think there is a part of him, a part of him that wants to do it against Milwaukee. That I could see against Giannis, against a champion himself at home. Still, if it was on the road, then I bet he would do it tonight. But that game against Milwaukee is also going to be in Los Angeles, so I think it would happen. But I was interested in how you would navigate this as a fan if you were trying to go see history, because this record, hate LeBron all you want to. It's a crazy record. Yeah, like it's a huge thing. We're, we're about to see history happen either tonight or Thursday, but it's going to be one of these two games that LeBron sets history, knock on wood, anything bad happening there. So do you buy the ticket for tonight or do you save up and then buy it against Milwaukee and just go ahead and purchase that right now? Because you're you're trying to guess when history is going to be made. That's a tough predicament to be in. Well, with some of the prices that I've seen, I saw as high as 92000 for one of these games. I mean, it was it was out of control. Um, if I were to bet on which ticket I would buy as a fan, I would probably veer towards Milwaukee. So so I'll give you the lowest prices. And this, according to ESPN, you could probably find something lower, Vivid Seats, whatever. Okay. But it's $110. That's the lowest ticket price against OKC tonight. If you wanted to wait for Milwaukee the lowest ticket price listed is 419. So you have to take that into effect as well. 110 tonight to possibly see history 36 away or 419 on Thursday against the Bucks to possibly see history. That's I I still am probably going Milwaukee. Yeah. I'm still probably doing that because at least you get an awesome matchup between two titans of the game. And Giannis is going to be on the Pantheon when his career is all said and done. What he's doing right now, we're seeing the prime of a pretty crazy career. I think I'm saving up and going at Milwaukee, Wes. Are, you're you're going to save up and go against the Bucks. That's what that's the ticket you're going to buy. I would do that too. Um, just the number. It's a number that he can get if he's on one and surpass with no problems if he's on one. But you would still think just. Based off averages, he averages around 28 a game. So you would think that, okay, tonight he could do 28 to 30. Yeah. And then, you know, come into the next game. And then you have the moment. And get it done in the first quarter. Then you get the moment. Five for tro- uh, 12 wrote in. If you can buy Lakers tickets, you can afford both games, which is a great point. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to both. And then. Or can you afford the $92,000? Uh, if, if you want to pay top dollar for it, then probably not. But it does seem, by the way, that the Lakers are projecting he'll do it against Milwaukee because 419 even for Lakers prices. It's far more than the next lowest price listed. I think yeah. that's what the script says. Yeah, I think that's what Adam Silver has written up here. 220 against Golden State. That's February 23rd. 
And then you have 225 against Golden State again. That's March 5th. And so those are the only other close prices. 193. Um, that's the other one. Man, they got three games against Golden State in like three weeks worth of time. So pretty crazy there. 704-570-9610. Feel free to text in. 704 number said uh, over under LeBron point tonight is 32 and a half. So even Vegas putting them right there for the chance against Milwaukee and then NASCAR Brad fitting your boy. I'm not attending either game because LeBron is a chotch. Has he ever been able to speak more for you than he did with that text message into Weston Walker? Nope, he is not. And I feel like <laughs> I'm really glad that my, my antics are starting to rub off on other people mm-hmm. because I don't give a damn about LeBron breaking this record. It's a great result of a great compiler. <laughs> Even if he is top five in points scored per average of all time? He's compiled a okay. lot of points per game over an average of games played. Uh, I don't think that makes any sense at all. But Neither there does you go. your TPA stat. Well, so. actually, what did you say, Fitty? He did what now? That's, that was part of the problem. I couldn't understand it. What were you saying? So he's a great compiler. No, I, no but, but you said something about the never, points per you Oh, yeah. He, he compiled a great average over a number of games. That... You know, I mean, let's say that the load management played a role in this because it really just, you know, inflated his point per game average because he started okay. taking games off because he couldn't play on back to backs anymore because, you know, his back hurt or whatever. OK, no. you know, you average 30 for his career, right? And what a uh, what a uh, Michael average. 30 points. Uh, it's, it's the highest. Yeah, I just it's watched the, the thing when J.J. Reddick was talking about it. He right. has a higher. Then he have a higher career or is like right there separated by tenths of a point <laughs> we have gone off track but yes michael jordan is the highest per game scorer yeah. in the nba and he's barely ahead of will but michael jordan has the but highest they all point average, per game average 30 lebron has not i don't believe because no, jj reddick was just talking about i saw it he's like he was saying that michael is uh 30 what's michael he's 27.2 for his career i'm looking at it right now okay so then what was so Michael Jordan, no, you're good. Michael Jordan, I believe, is 30.1. Wilt is like .02 or point whatever away from it. But LeBron James is top five in NBA scoring history on a per game average. And so, yes, that that's the point, right? That's why, okay. right? Like if you're a compiler, all you're doing is just stat padding as the years go on, even if the average isn't great. And so here we are. Here we are talking about LeBron. Um, so, yeah, NASCAR Brad, Fitty, you guys don't have to go if he's a compiler. 704-570-9610. All right, let's get to the ranking of the Carolina Panthers coaching staff ranks. So this is how the game works. James Campen, Ajero Avero, Deuce Staley, Chris Tabor, and Frank Reich. Five different coaches that have been highly thought of that are now a part of the Panthers coaching staff. I want you to rank... The top guy, number one, this is my favorite hire that we've seen so far. And then number five is the least, even if you like all of them. And I believe it's safe to say all of these hires are guys that we respect and very much like to make this highly anticipated coaching staff. Let's start at number five. Wes, for me, I think just because of the running back value and the effect that it's going to have, I think Deuce Staley is probably number five as much as I love him being a part of this staff. But Staley specifically because he coaches running backs. I'm excited for him. It goes to show just how excited I am about every single one of these guys being a part of this Carolina Panthers organization. But as far as the most excitement goes for each one of these categories, I think Staley comes in at number five for me, but it was really close. Uh, 
number five, it probably will be a little bit of a surprise, but I put Israel Evero as number five. <laughs> That's a huge surprise. Yeah, because I just okay. think that he's not going to be here long. If he comes in and does what he's supposed to do, he's going to be gone in a year. Okay. So it's like... How excited can you get about a guy? I mean, you're seeing it everywhere as far as pundits saying that he's not going to be there long. Um, you know, either that, I feel like it's going to go two ways. Either the Panthers defense will be disappointing under Evero, which will look bad, but then you'll say, okay, you can give him more than one year to try to get it together, or they're lights out and he's gone in a year. So because he's so good, he could get a job somewhere else. Because we think he's so good. That's why he'll probably be the least exciting hire for you. That's why he is yeah. the least exciting. Okay. I mean, that is, I got you. Yeah, it's no shade to his job or what he's done to this point. I just think that, like I said, he won't be here long enough. Number four for me is Frank Reich. And it's because it's not like Reich was sensational with the Indianapolis Colts. And Reich, to me, if you're talking about who he was compared to, we all were fans of Steve Wilkes as well. And so if you're talking about who else you could have gone after, then Steve Wilkes could have come in and I would have been just as excited given the six and six record that took place even after they decided to fire Matt Rule. And again, it's not because I don't like Frank Reich. Hell, I think there's a promo of me saying that I do like him. Somebody made fun of me because it's like, I like Frank Reich and I cannot lie. That's what somebody texted in and said they hear every time that promo plays. So this is all under an umbrella of me being excited about all of these hires. But when you compare Frank Reich to who was also closely related to the job. If you do that with Kellen Moore, then maybe he moves up a little bit more. I did not want Kellen Moore here. But if you compare him to Steve Wilkes, then yeah, that's why Reich comes in at number four for me. What about you? I have Reich at, rank. I have Reich at four as well. Mm -hmm. um, just because I would have put him last because, like I said, the whole Steve Wilkes thing and the hiring, et cetera, et cetera. But I just have him at four um, because if I had to bet on whether I think he will – be a great coach here or not. I just feel like circumstances will lend itself in my book to him not doing such a great job here. So that's why I have him at four. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, so we agree on that one. We're not going to agree on Averro. I'll, I'll tell you where I have him a little bit later on. Okay. All right. Uh, number three. I think I got? probably have a good guess. Uh, yeah, you, how probably, you, said it. <laughs> you probably do. Who's number three for you, Wes? Uh, Chris Tabor's special teams coach. Uh, I think the Panthers special teams unit was ranked fourth. Uh, by a metric, and I think that that's a very important, underrated part of football. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're able to retain a coach that's done such a good job on that side of the ball, whether you talk about punting to change field position or, you know, just kicking and being an integral part of the offense as well. So I think that that was an important hire to retain a guy that's got your special teams as one of the best units you've ever had in the history of your franchise. Yeah, we agree again. I have Chris Tabor number three. And the reason I have him number three, because we know how bad special teams can be here in Carolina. And so the fact that you bring in someone that we were excited about then, there's a lot of hype surrounding Chris Tabor. So there's the hype surrounding him. You actually lose your kick returner for majority of the season. He came in like at the very, very end in Andre Roberts, who has been a longtime kick returner in this league. And so when you're talking about Tabor delivering on the hype and turning around what used to be a weakness every single year, hell yeah, man. I'm down with that. Like, bring me back Chris Tabor as a special teams coach, and that's exactly why I have him number three. And then speaking of something along those same lines, it's why I have James Camp in number two. 
this offensive line has been a problem forever. The last time you put a competent offensive line together, it was that Super Bowl year. And it's not even like they were great. You're talking about bookend tackles being Michael Orr and Mike Rimmers, and Rimmers was destroyed in the Super Bowl. We always talk about how bad of a job he did in that game, although, you know, consistent enough throughout the regular season. But that's the last time you can go back to an offensive line that you remotely felt okay about. Yeah. And here comes Campin, where you make sure that you uh, actually add some talent on the line. Great. But Campin does the most with it. Plus, him making out with the football. Have you ever seen that clip of James Campen making out? I with have not. It is very weird, but for some reason I like it. And so I like that guy on my coaching staff. That's why I have him number two on this list. Wes, where do you have uh, James Campen? Is he at number two? He is not at number okay. two. Uh, I have Deuce Staley at number two. Uh, just excited to see what he does. I wasn't the biggest fan of his on um, Hard Knocks. But why did you like him on Hard Knocks? I thought just his coaching style, it was a little bit too rigid as far as just some of the things he says and just the way that he acts. I could see him being a guy that kind of wears on guys a little bit mm-hmm. at times. But with that said, the proof is in the pudding. This Detroit Lions team last season averaged five yards per rush. And uh, he got a lot out of Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift as well. And that was a guy that he really was uh, pushing on in the Hard Knocks series, trying to get the most out of him with all the potential he had as a first-round pick. But Detroit's running game was a strong suit of their offense, and I think he does do a good job with his knowledge. And he was a really good back part of it, too, as my 90s uh, nostalgia okay. for Deuce as a player. All right, so, so he was able to climb back up the rankings after a lackluster Hard Knocks appearance. By the way, yes. 704 number wrote in, making the playoffs three out of his four years isn't sensational. Compared to Matt Rule, we should be giddy that Reich is our coach. I mean, that's all kinds of wrong, by the way. So he coached with Indianapolis five years. He made the playoffs twice. So he made it in 2018. He made it in 2020. And then he got fired in 2022 after not making it two straight years. So it's all kinds of wrong. And then Fiddy, of course, said they're just hurt that a 9-19 and coach didn't get the full-time job. So Fiddy is also stirring the pot a little bit, despite the wrong things that the text message came in from that 704 number. Right. I mean, what else can you expect? I can't expect anything less. Um, All right. So finally, last one. Number one spot on our list. It does go with Jero Averro. And for me, if you get the guy that everybody thinks so highly of if David Tepper is willing to open up the checkbook and say here let's go get the highest sought after defensive coordinator really outside of Vic Fangio who probably was number one and Avera was number two so much so that you're right there are a lot of people that want him to be a part of their head coaching search that's why he got a couple of interviews and that's why Carolina themselves interviewed him and so I, I get your point I thought about that a little bit too when we were ranking but to me Wes ultimately the end of me putting him further down in the rankings, it it's because he's too good. That didn't make sense to me to put him number five, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I understand what you're saying. You don't want to lose somebody like this. But if that's the case, then you're hiring someone who you don't think is as good to be a part of your staff. And I can't make that make sense. So mm-hmm. maybe he does move on after one year. That's fine. But that's because he did a sensational job. And so while I understand your point, I still got to put him number one because this guy did a great well, job with Denver. And I also said part of it too is, you know, I'm not completely certain that he's going to come in here and change life. I mean, you know, you still have to have the guys to be able to do it. And I think that this defense does have some pieces, but we'll see what they do to it to add to it. 
but I'm not sure that he's going to come in and turn this into a top five, top ten unit either. So we'll see. I mean, you know, when we talked about Domingo Ryan's, I said I think that he is a a really good coach, but he also has a loaded roster. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I like Averro. I'm really excited. We'll talk more about him with Nick Kosmider of The Athletic, the Denver Broncos beat writer. He'll be talking uh, about him with us at 2 o'clock. All right, time now for the first Fitty Hold Flash. On, I to get my number one. I thought it was, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. James ah. Campen. I thought we talked about Campen being number one. Hurry yes, up. Why Campen don't you take away my, my mic one. time? Yeah. <laughs> Campen is my number one. Yeah, let's drag this. Actually, let's just skip it after that. Let's just skip <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, Campen's my get... number one, man. Offensive line, you know how I get down when you got a chance right. to retain a good O-line coach. That is very, very important. No, it is. And, and honestly, you're right. We should have given more time to Campen. I apologize to James. I apologize to you. Yeah. I don't Camp, ap- I got your back, baby. Yeah. I know what's happening in the trenches. <laughs> I don't apologize to Fiddy, but go ahead, Fiddy. What you got? What's your first Fiddy Flash? All right, guys. Well, according to the American Gaming Association, mm-hmm. an expected 50.4 million adults are expected to bet on Sunday's Super Bowl with over $16 billion expected to be bet on Sunday's big game. My first question to you guys is, will you guys be partaking in Sunday's gambling festivities? And more importantly, how has the emergence of gambling changed the way you watch the Super Bowl with prop bets really being the focus heading into Sunday? Uh, I won't be betting anything. I've only bet with a website one time in my entire life. I just get too uh, scared. Like they said, scared money that make money, and I'm definitely scared (laughs) money. That's why you ain't making Um, money. Yeah, I don't don't really care for either one of these teams as far as just like having a interest enough to bet on it so no i would not be betting on it or prop bet or anything well Wes, tell us about your theory here tell us about your theory well i'm just saying does it yeah does it make you change the way you watch games because you know what these leagues being in bed with these gambling agencies and we know that you know making it lean one way to make more money for the house and different things like that i just wondered do statistics like that make you think a little bit when you watch these the, games? The scripts from Arian Foster, the script sound has affected this show as much as any in all of radio, of all of sports radio. And we had great fun with the script. And now we talked about this. Mm-hmm. I think it has the exact opposite bet, right? I think it has the exact opposite effect, I should say, because once you start playing with people's money, they're all the way out and people will find you for that. Yeah. The thing with me is... Uh, I used to be into it with FanDuel. I used to love making baseball lineups. I used to be the the complete Moneyball nerd boy looking at a whole b- bunch of different stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did all right. But at the same time, I... It, I drown it, in a pool of lame. It's too risky. So I'm not going to be doing it. Yeah. Fiddy, you don't bet on this stuff, do you? You don't Heck get involved. No, I can't afford to. Yeah. I have friends that do that bet a lot. Yeah, I know. There's a lot. I I'd certainly have my fair share of friends that get involved. I am not one of those people. All right, let's visit the campus corner. It's coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Justin Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. My man Walker Mail, Josh Fitty Marlowe in the cut. You can hit us up on the garage door guru text line. You got to be careful when you say that fast sometimes. 704-570-9610. Hit us up on Twitter, Wes and Walker. W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R. Took care of that for you, Walker. Thank you. Hit that follow button, man. We're trying to get to 1K starting. Slow grind. All right, let's take it to the campus. Kona! Yeah, cue up the drum major, man. All right, last night, Duke got cracked by Miami. Okay, did it feel like a... uh, a scheduled loss, do you think just the win over UNC was just draining for them and they just ran into a buzzsaw in Miami? What are our thoughts on this game last night? I mean, yeah, I picked Miami to win this game, so it's not like I was surprised. I guess, yeah, I picked Miami to win this game. I don't think you did. I'm pretty sure you picked Duke. Go check back on the tape. I uh, no, he did. I remember him picking uh, Miami. You, yeah. yeah. I, I thought maybe you picked your newfound team. No, I, and I know you want me to, but no, I picked the Canes to, to get this victory last night. I'm pretty sure I did, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I picked the Canes to win at home, and so regardless, I'm not surprised that they lost. I, I am a little surprised that they looked as bad as they did in the early going. They would bring it back and then eventually the Canes would separate themselves once again. And so, with me, I, it felt, I guess, a little like a scheduled loss. But but I think any any of that conversation is negated when you lose the way you did, right? Like, I can understand applying it that, well, this was always going to be tough. On the road, two days after such a highly emotional game, a big moment for John Shire. You're pouring so much into that. And then in the final seconds, maybe you just don't have it as much man they didn't have it right from the rip against the canes and so to me any excuse quote unquote that you wanted to give to duke it goes completely out the window because the way they got slaughtered immediately so as soon as the ball was in the air. well when you look at how they started the basketball game first half they shot 34 percent from the field 12 percent from three that's not conducive to a victory especially when miami shot 42 percent from the field but 33 percent from uh three respectively but when you look at their star players filipowski four of 12, Jeremy Roach, 3 of 8. Uh, Derek Lively actually went 11 points, so that's a career high for Five him as for him well. again, yeah. Yeah, so when you look at, though, what the star players produced, you could just tell. I mean, Jalen Blakes, he didn't, you know, one of four on the evening as well. So you could just tell, I think, the emotions. Now, give Miami credit because they are on fire. They've now beaten Virginia Tech, uh, Clemson and Duke now. So they were ready to go, but Duke was not ready. This is ACC life. This is how it's going to be down the stretch. You get a big win. You can't afford to let the emotions of the win drain you because you're going to have another tough game right around the corner. That's what happened to Duke last night. They thought it was sweet going down to Dade County and uh, got swept off their feet by the tune of a big loss for them. What you got, Fiddy? So how confident are you that you picked Miami to win the game? Uh, not as confident anymore. Did somebody else say <laughs> something? Like I, a I know we got question. a tweet yesterday, and I was kind of surprised because I thought I picked Miami. You want to put lunch on it? I mean, not not if you've already done your research on this. Did somebody text you that I did pick, or did you go ahead? I'm going to go with uh, Duke winning this basketball well, game. There. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I yeah. thought he did. I don't know why I thought <laughs> that. So, so I'm glad. Honestly, that is, that's a nice uh, maneuver I should start doing more often, though, because it's not like Fiddy's going to catch me every time. And even if he catches me, we just laugh about it and move on. So I just need to take credit, even for my wrong stuff, because that's what Fiddy does. So that's what we need to start doing. I need to take credit even for my wrong stuff. My 
I'm never I wrong. Got, that, that's uh, the difference between you and I. That is true, 100%. All right, Wes, what you got? All right, so now we're going to talk about, as we get closer to March Madness officially, conference tournaments, NCAA tournaments. How many teams do we expect that the ACC will get? I mean, this is a conference that normally averages around 7 to 10 teams. So looking at the standings right now, what do you think? What are your thoughts? I'm going 8 uh, I think that cutoff line is right at about Wake Forest, and that's pushing it uh, because after that, you have Syracuse and FSU, and then the records start to get worse and worse behind that. So I'm going to go eight. Well, I mean, if you're talking about uh, Wake Forest is probably right at the cutoff line, and if you're talking about everybody there uh, above them, Wake, UNC, Duke, NC State, Miami, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Clemson, you're talking about eight basketball teams. Is there a chance for them to get all of those squads in? Syracuse is right behind Syracuse at 14-10 and 10 overall. Wow, they're and behind themselves? Syracuse right behind Wake Forest. You said no, Syracuse is behind Syracuse. Oh, wow. Syracuse is behind. Man, I am all over the place. Thank you, both of you, I've for calling you me out every single time. <laughs> I appreciate that. So Syracuse is right behind Wake Forest, even if they are tied within the conference. I think to me, I, I think North Carolina still makes it. I even still think Duke ends up making the ACC tournament. I think it's going to be a little bit, t- or the NCAA tournament. Goodness gracious. <laughs> this is going to show up in the awful the awful portion of me at the end in the week that was with Wes and Walker. I think you're going to get a lot of teams in. I think eight is probably what I would go with because I do think most of those teams are going to get in and Wake Forest, I'll give the benefit of the doubt to. Okay, no doubt about that. We will see as it goes. I mean, like they said, because they were talking about this morning that the big 12, I think they said, may have like 10 teams in there, something like that. So it got me to thinking about that. That'd be the uh, whole conference. Well. <laughs> It'd be the Big Ten in the Big 12 form. Yeah, and there yeah. there would be a lot. But I heard you talking. It was about, Big 12. Right. I heard I heard you talking about the Big 12 earlier and just comparing the ACC to other conferences, mm-hmm. Fiddy. And you feel like this can still hold some weight against some of the other conferences in college basketball? Look, the ACC doesn't have the top heavy heavy hitters that the Big 12 has. No, the Big 12 probably has four legitimate teams that could win the national championship. I don't think the ACC has that. Uh, and look, the Big the Big 12 is going to put probably eight of its 10 teams in the, in the tournament. The ACC is going to put probably eight of its 15. My issue is that in, in, in a 15-team league, you're putting over half your league in the conference. Doesn't that make you believe that the conference is really, really good? But yet the, the national perception of the ACC is... Oh, well, it's not a good conference because Duke and Carolina aren't one and two. This is a really damn good league. I but just think the top-heavy part is what you're missing, right? Like It's got ju- depth, though. That was his problem but, the last couple of years. It, it was just was shallow. Yeah, what do you think, Wes? How good do you think this conference is when you evaluate it? Yeah, I think it's solid. It's not as good as it's been in past years, but it's still a solid basketball conference. And I think when it's all said and done, when you get deeper into the tournament, they are going to have multiple teams in the Sweet 16, probably a couple teams yeah. in the Elite Eight, and probably a Final Four participant. Before we get out of here and run to break, is Virginia clearly the best team in the conference? Do you think it's close? Yeah, I don't think clearly is the right answer. I would agree with Virginia. that. Virginia, w- if you were to say, okay, who do you think is number one compared to all of these other teams in the conference, I would still put the Cavaliers there. But I don't feel great about it, and I think that kind of speaks to the depth of this league. Because if I'm choosing all of the teams I really think can contend for a championship, North Carolina's in this weird 
role because we saw them do it as a lower seed last year, at least reach the championship game. But most of the time, you're not considering an eight or a nine seed as a team that is a championship contender. Most of the time, you're not considering that. So North Carolina's in this weird range. I don't know if I would call NC State a championship contender, right? I'm not saying that really about Miami, even if they did have a good win against Duke last night. So I would still probably go with a Virginia, with a North Carolina. I mean, Duke, I guess, even if even if they haven't played up to that level. But honestly, I'm kind of looking at one with Virginia and then North Carolina, but really just because of what they did last year, which is somewhat of an outlier doing that as a lower seed. Man, you just disrespect the hell out of Pitt, Miami, some of the other Are you saying they're championship play. contenders? They all bought their team, so they don't count. That's correct. Right, right, right. No, but I, I don't think that Virginia's clearly the best team, but I think that the teams in the top probably four or five state can prove themselves and get up into that mix. But I think the teams at the top four of this league are all, you know, not that far off from each other. Um, I would say Virginia is the best team right now, but I think that if they play all of these teams, they're going to be knocked down, drag out games. Yeah, I think they're all going to be really competitive, and, and I totally agree with you. But I, I just think when we talk about... But I think Pitt is pretty good. Yeah, I just can't consider them a championship contender like I can with some of these other franchises. Just I just can't do that. Okay. All right, well, when we get back from break... <laughs> We will have Gary Parrish of CBS Sports talk a little college rack. You are immersed in the Weston Walker Show on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.